This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast, the podcast where we talk to brewery owners and ask questions about owning a brewery so that future brewery owners can learn a thing or two. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, take my hand and I'll walk you down this beautiful road called Clicking the Button. This is episode number 72, and in this episode I sit down with Chad Beavers, owner of Little Beaver Brewery in Bloomington, Illinois. Chad tells us how he wound up opening his brewery, where he sees the direction of the beer market going, and how he has the mindset of not sweating the small stuff. I try my hardest not to sweat the small stuff, especially when it's in 12-ounce cans. Yes, I'm talking about those beers with jalapeno in it. It makes me sweat like crazy. Who the hell keeps doing that? I want a refreshing beer with my spicy food. Not refreshing food with my spicy beer. Please, if you're out there and you're listening, refrain from the jalapenos and the brewskis, por favor. And speaking of spicy, let us spice things up with a little beaver. Little beaver brewery, you pervert. Get your head out of the gutter and get it into episode number 72 because you're going to be happy you did. Hey guys, welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin, and today I'm with Chad Beavers of Little Beaver Brewing in Bloomington, Illinois. Chad, how's it going? Hey, Thank Good, you for being man. with Thanks us. Thank me. you. Appreciate Glad it. Glad to be here. So uh, can you tell us a little bit just about yourself and you know, like where you grew up and how you got into the brewing industry and opened your own brewery? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I started brewing... Uh, like 25 years ago, a little somewhere around there, I was uh, I still live in Central Illinois in the Bloomington normal area. Um, this is where I, w- I was from, born and raised, never really left. Um, I got into homebrew just because I was there. Used to be a brewery in town called uh, Illinois Brewing Company (IBC), and we hung out there all the time. It was just our place. And then I ventured off into trying new beers, and I knew that, of course, they made beer, even though I hang out hung out there, I never tried them. Right, uh, but I finally just decided to start trying new stuff and i tried their porter from hell because i had a guinness and naturally felt like i was oh i drink dark beer now so i drank all the dark beers and they had this beer called porter from hell and it was nine percent uh it looked like oil in a glass i mean no head no bubbles <laughs> no nothing uh, it was a full pint glass nine percent alcohol and i'm just looking at it like what did I do? Like, Oh my God, like, this looks not right at all. And then I drank it and then it was just like, you know, just open this whole new world up to me. Um, but then, yeah, I was there a couple months later and I had ordered that beer and the bartender, uh, said that it wasn't available anymore. And I was like, what? Like, I just, you know, I knew blue moon and Miller light and Sam Adams and stuff that's always on the shelf anywhere you go. It doesn't run out, you know? And that's, so this was the first time in my life that I heard about a beer not being available and it just, it hurt my head. Um, and so the bartender said, well, just talk to the guy next to you and he can explain you why. Cause I don't know anything about when we'll have it or if we will. And then he turned out to be the brewer of course. And so he took me on a tour and by the time it was done, I was like hooked. I was like, I'm going to, this is going to be a really cool hobby. So, uh, that's what I did. And then it just kind of got more and more and more and more advanced. And, uh, then over the years, eventually just kind of, kind of grew up to what it is, I guess. But um, the the filling in the gap from, you know, starting to homebrew to actually opening a brewery, um, a lot of that was over the, the years I got into different styles. And then I felt like I'd mastered a style, at least to my taste preferences. I don't feel I've mastered anything as, you know, as far as the world exposure and things like that go. But um, for what I was seeking, I would get to one style, I'd figure it out, and then I'd do another. 
Um, and then I started getting into competitions because I was like, wow, this seems like a, a cool thing. And, you know, as adults, a lot of us don't earn trophies and get ribbons and, you know, special recognition and things like that. So when you first do it, it's it's kind of addicting, you know, like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know. And um, plus, it was also great feedback and stuff like that because you'd, you know, find out, like, I thought this beer was great. What did these judges think about it um, or why didn't it, you know, what didn't they like or what did they like? So it, it really helped me learn a lot of stuff. But uh, I think it was like 2014, 2015, I submitted stuff into the uh, Great American Beer, no, not the Great American Beer Festival, um, the American Homebrewers Association. Right. Yeah, their their annual competition. And I ended up getting a silver medal um, for the specialty strong stout category or something like that. Um, and that was really exciting. And then that same year, I was a finalist for the Sam Adams long shot competition that they used to do. Um, and I, as a finalist, I was actually, I won a trip out to Denver to GABF. They flew my wife and I out there. I got to do the whole, uh, limo driver picking me up with the name tag that said beavers on it and all that. Uh, it was an awesome experience, but I didn't win. And when, when I found out that I didn't actually win, uh, my wife just turned to me and said, uh, you're, you know, you should probably open a brewery because obviously people like your beer, and there's never going to be a better time. But uh, I was kind of hesitant to do that because I we didn't have the money that I could just quit my job and just, oh, I'm just going to go chase my dream. So in order for me to do it, I it was just going to be straight up moonlighting. Um, and, and so it was, and it was really, really hard. The big thing that kept me from ever originally really wanting to do a brewery was I didn't want to be a deadbeat dad. I didn't want to be away from my kids. I had two little girls right. um, that were you know born in 12 and 13. So they're, they're still eight and nine years old. Um, but I didn't want to never be around. And my wife said, you know, it's never going to get easier. So I think now's the time. Um, so we did, you know, and I reached out to a friend of mine that had helped me for a while at beer festivals and things like that. Um, I could go on for hours and hours, by the way, I'm kind of trying to condense this down a little bit. That's fine. Uh, fine yeah. listeners here. Um, but, uh, I, I ended up getting involved with a large beer festival here in town. And I, I was the beer guy for that was for that about the, eight years. Uh, the Brugula Beer Festival. Okay. Yep, that's it. So, cool. uh, and that was it was pretty awesome because it put me in touch with with the industry, with with the customers, with the fans, um, and you know also distributors, other breweries, uh, working in festivals. Um, but it was also an opportunity for me to share my beer. Um, and so I was sitting at my own table at all these beer festivals. You know, dating back now, probably you know fourteen, fifteen years ago. Some, uh, and it was awesome because. To me, the the best thing about homebrewing was sharing it with people, and then I had this once a year, like opportunity to share as much as I could possibly have ready with as many people uh, as came out there. You know, and I I think we were getting like four or five thousand people throughout the weekend, maybe more. Um, so it was a really good turnout at that festival, uh, and then that just kind of steamrolled and steamrolled. Um, and so when I was ready to start, I had a friend of mine who was helping me with those festivals and things. Uh, reached out to him and, you know, he was interested in getting involved with me. Um, so we launched a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, it got, you know, gobbled up pretty fast. Um, so that was awesome. That felt really good. Uh, then we started down the path of where are we going to be? Like, you know, what's the model? Are we just going to do, do small batches and just release them in bottles or cans? Or was the can at the time it would have been just bottles. Nobody was really, uh, like small places like us in the canning yet. Um, but then, found out that the zoning in our community wasn't set up and necessarily ready for that. So uh, I got to do, you know, I'd read stories of breweries that wanted to start. And then all of a sudden I had to spend the first, you know, year going through legislation changes and all that stuff. Yeah. And I just thought, man, that sucked. I'd 
never want to do that. And then all of a sudden, here I am. Guess what? I'm the one who gets to do all that. Um, so it's been great for the other breweries in our community because it's already set up. It's already for them. They may not even know of the struggles that we had to go through to get this started. Um, but at the same time, it also put us in a really good light with uh, our local community because you know we were in the limelight so to speak and you know zoning meetings city council meetings uh, we've been in front now i don't know a dozen times in front of the liquor commission uh fortunately never for you know ever getting in trouble or anything um just the the, the stages that you go through in business growth and development and things like that so um so we're getting pretty familiar with with how the city functions and all those things but um, I, I can absolutely understand now going through everything we've gone through from inception to where we are today, um, why people hire consultants, <laughs> uh, things like that. Somebody who's been through this process uh, to hold your hand would just save so much money, so much time and so many headaches. It's not even funny. But, you know, a lot of us, especially brewers, we feel funny. we can do it. Ah, you know, yeah. yeah. And, it, and when you don't have the money to just pay somebody right off the bat, what else are you going to do? You know, um, but in the same sense, at least now we know it and. So we've already got a list, you know, <laughs> if we ever do another place, here's, here's what we know, here's what we learned, here's what's going to happen, here's what's not going to happen. Um, so I think definitely beneficial to have learned what we did and what we've gone through. So but what else do, what, what kind of other areas so I can kind of keep targeted with what you'd like to know here? Oh, no, I, I mean, I will, I'll ask as we go, but uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's pretty much what I was wanting to know how you got into it. And, uh, yeah, it's a great story. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when I when I started it though, I was working full time for a very large nonprofit food bank here in town, um, okay. and so that that was the the struggles early on. You know, when we were just open one day a week before we opened all that stuff, um, and I was working you know eight, nine, ten hour days there, and then right. transitioning into the brewery. Um, the few friends of mine that were working brewing with me. Uh, they also had day jobs, so it was a group of several of us guys in our, you know, late 30s and 40s. Burning uh, the just, both ends. Yeah, like unbelievable, man. And I look back at that now, like, how the hell did we do that? Because um, it was motivation. You know, I, dude, I'm telling you, like, I'd leave the house at 7 a.m. and I'd get home at 2 a.m., you know. Um, but then you know, all of a sudden I realized that I was becoming that deadbeat dad that I never wanted to be. Right. And so my wife and I were looking for another house because we had kind of downgraded when we had kids and felt like it was a good time to kind of upgrade. And I said, I don't think now's the time to keep shopping for a house. And she wondered why. And I said, because I think I need to quit my job. Um, so I left a good, you know, a really good job as the executive director of a large nonprofit um, to just go make beer. Um, so she she's a good one. Uh, she's definitely a keeper there to to let me go through that, but um, things have gotten a lot better over the years now. So, yeah. so what kind of questions you got for me now that you know how we got here? Yeah, absolutely. So, what would you say was the most challenging part for you when actually opening your brewery when you first opened the doors? Uh, like getting up to opening, or what? Like when what you did first we find opened out? the doors, what was the most challenging part for you? Uh, hmm, it's kind of hard. Um, probably everything because everything was new. I had never worked in a bar, neither my business partner, uh, quite frankly, neither was any of our original employees, which were pretty much just close friends and stuff. Um, so everything we learned, we were learning as we went. So from the professional brewing side of the operation, all I ever was, was a home brewer. Um, and so learning all this new equipment, learning all these new processes, all these new procedures, um, all the while learning all the laws, all the, you know, making sure we're abiding by 
local local health department, you know, local liquor commission, you know, everything going on. Um, it, it was really pretty rough, but I, I would say that probably the biggest challenge that we had um, was definitely a positive one, um, and that was just that uh, we had way more people coming in than we ever thought. Um, awesome. So we, you know, yeah, it was really good. I mean, we we looked at our numbers to do this. This was just a shoestring kind of thing where, you know, we didn't, you know, go and borrow hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything. It was me and my business partner. How can we make this work? And so we did, you know, we looked at it like if we have three people come in every day <laughs> and they each have two pints, you know, and we're open for, we were doing math like this, right. like what's the minimum that we need yeah. to make sure that the bills are paid so that our wives will allow us to have this clubhouse, <laughs> you know, slash brewery thing that we're building here that we had no idea what it could right. turn into. Um, and so office. then, yeah. And so yeah. that was the biggest thing is like what we budgeted for like, the first month or whatever coming in we did in like the first couple hours of being open and so then it became like oh crap you know we're gonna need a bigger boat kind of thing here you right, know like exactly, yeah. we're, we're definitely gonna need to hire a couple more people because we're gonna need to have more beer we're gonna need it more often but um, but that was also if that kept up was this just hey was this a brand new venue and people wanted to come and check it out they've been trying the stuff locally at this festival for years or was it sustainable? And fortunately, it was sustainable, and it just uh, kind of continued to, to build and build and build. And we started to learn uh, what styles our customers wanted, and you know what worked well and what didn't work well. Um, all the while, that first pretty much year doing mi- very minimal, if any, uh, bottles. You know, because it was just hand packaging, twenty-two ounce bomber bottles. Um, so it was all pretty much draft, few accounts um, that we that we had throughout town and stuff. But um, we didn't have enough beer to really chase. We were brewing uh, dual sixty gallon batches for our first year. Okay. So it was it was nice having a tiny tap room because anytime we'd brew, we could do two batches in about the same exact amount of time as just doing one. Um, but the downside was you only had you know four half barrel kegs <laughs> after right. you got done with all that all that time all that work. And I don't know how much you know about the actual brewing process, but the, the steps yes. take just about as long, you know. Of course. Your brew day is not much no longer. How big. Go. Right. Yeah. And the so fermentation the time is going to be the same. Yeah. And so that's that economy of scale that you start to really get into, which really right. allows you, you know, to do a whole lot more as you start to grow. Um, and then that's that's where we kind of started getting after year one is where we were able to upgrade our brew system um, and just really kind of start digging into to what can we do but uh that first year was really really helpful for me because uh, i knew what beers i liked i knew what beers i liked to make but i didn't right. know what beers everybody else would want um and it's still always hard to tell that you know and my tastes have changed tremendously from uh, what i was drinking five six seven eight years ago to now is, is radically different um and so that first year it was just i was all about i don't want to brew anything more than once or twice um, I'll do it again if it if it went well or if I feel like I can do better and, and I want to try. Um, but a lot of it was just constantly throw it at the wall, see what sticks. Um, and then when we started, we did a few fruit beers, which, you know, I, I like to brew them as a home brewer, but I never really was a big consumer of, of a lot of fruit beers. Um, but then when we started doing it at the brewery, it was just like, oh, okay, a lot of people I like these. Kind of got to do um, that, yeah. 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 Fill, yeah. Fill that void. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, quick, you know, and, so question, yeah, did you, uh, you opened in, it was 2017 or 18? God, I think, I think it was 18. So this will be, yeah, it's four, it's been four years that we've been open. So, so you, so you open, uh, for about two years 
before COVID hit you. Uh, yep. How did that affect your business? How'd you go about pivoting to make it work and continue to stay in business? Um, we were in a unique spot. So that year before COVID, or that had been 2019, I think, right. um, I had I had got out of the relationship with my original business partner uh, because I found out he didn't want to grow the company. I had just quit my day job. Had a wife and kids at home. I needed a company to be growing in order to to pay, you know, pay me something. Um, and so when I found out we were not at all on the same page, I just said this isn't going to work, and we, you know, kind of parted ways. Um, but uh, when I was I was at the nonprofit food bank for about five years, and there's two brothers that run a company in town that does uh, landscaping, you know, snow removal, lawn care, all that stuff, and they had always donated all their services to to our nonprofit organization. So I knew them as these great guys that always, you know, donated all these services to us. They'd come and plow our lots all the time. They were always there mowing it. It always looked great. Every, everything was awesome. Um, and so then when they reached out, they found out that I was going out on my own and asked how, you know, is there any opportunity for them to get involved? They, right. they got to know me over the years. They saw what I was doing. It was vice versa. I saw the same thing about them. So, um, so they basically became my new business partners. Um, and that's when we really kind of stepped it up. You know, they were uh, familiar with small business, familiar with the community, familiar with, you know, how a lot of things operate. Um, you may think that there's not a lot of uh, symbiosis with landscaping and, and a brewery. I yeah. sure as hell didn't think there was anything. And then, over, you know, it's just it never ceases to amaze me how many things um, come together. And the biggest one being is we bought the building um, that first year that we were involved with them. And then it, it ended up coming down to the week before the Illinois COVID lockdown started. We broke ground on our on our first really big expansion. Um, so we had bought the building. Uh, we actually didn't kick the neighboring unit out uh, until their lease was up, which was two years ago in May. So t- May of 2020. Um, but leading up to that, March till you know till then, uh, it was just building a new parking lot, building a really big outdoor patio. Um, and then the whole idea being that once the neighbors in the, the connected unit to us were out, that's when we would start to build that out as a new taproom space, put in a full kitchen, and then be able to expand the brewery. Um, so all that took place right during the start and the entire first summer of COVID. Um, so even, you know, it was a really crazy busy summer for us. Um, we were running around mad trying to just brew beer without, you know, people they're serving. Um, we let everybody go, you know, laid everybody off right away, like a lot of places did, because we didn't know what, what's going to happen. We didn't empty tanks. We were just like, let's just sell beer that we have in cans if people even want to leave the house. Um, and fortunately, they did, man. And they were coming out like mad. We had just constantly awesome. the, the most amazing support through, through all that first year of COVID, especially. Um, and then it was also fun mm-hmm. because the whole time, all this, the world's blowing up around us with everything, you know, not knowing what's going on. And all we're doing is just cranking out beer as fast as we can. Let's just do new stuff all the time so everybody's got something to try. Uh, And then uh, the other side is we're showing pictures of this patio that we're building and parking lot. Um, And it's right behind our building, but it was it's like a – I don't know if you've been to our place or not, but it's a dead-end road. It's two dead-end roads um, that that lead to – you know, we have two different driveways so you can get to the front side of the building or the back side. Um, But everybody only knew what is now the back side. So when they were coming there to get beer, they're like – where's this new building you're making? Like, what's going on? We see all this stuff. And like, it's just right around back. Just when you leave, just drive down that next road. Um, And so it was really a lot of fun, but um, we got, we built an outdoor container bar, uh, which my business partner, Justin did that. 
Um, so that was built, uh, you know, huge, huge outdoor, awesome, awesome space. Again, they do high-end landscaping work um, for Bella's Landscaping. And uh, so they, we have this just state-of-the-art, amazing patio. And that was finished uh, right about the exact time that uh, Illinois opened up for outdoor dining, um, which is, I think, July of two years ago. And so we missed like two days of, you know, being able to do that. Um, and then that, that pat- outdoor patio is all we had uh, till October um, when we finally got everything else opened up and, and finished inside, um, which, you know, dropping in a, a whole new kitchen, a whole new, you know, indoor dining space, everything um, during COVID. It, it really shocked a lot of people when they did finally start to come out and, and see things and people that, you know, maybe don't follow us on social media and they'd walk in and be like, I'm just, I'm just so turned around. I, I thought, thought it came in this direction and it was just like a little tiny bar, but like, Oh, you're right. It was over there. It was the other building. And um, so it's it up on you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, so, that's kind of funny. Just how confusing some people confused to some people are because they didn't know. And they're like, I, I, I don't think this is the same place. And we're like, well, it's really not, but it also is. So anyways, you had a question. Yeah, so you talk about you know community and and support. Uh, what do you think, in your opinion, brings people to your brewery? Uh, I think it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's different for every people, um, and I, I I say that because one of my goals has always been to find a beer for every person, um, or for every person to find a beer. I guess is a better way to explain it. Uh, when we only had ten taps uh, in our old tap room, um, it was kind of hard to do. You know, you had to have a dark beer, a fruity beer, right. something sour, something light. You know, you only had 10 different taps, and you figure there's, you know, 25 styles probably easily that that someone could could be looking at. Not to mention you always want to have multiple IPAs to appease the IPA people, you know, different stouts, everything. So it was really hard to do with 10 taps. But when we did this big expansion, we knew we wanted more, so we did 24 taps. Um, and then now we've added the eight outside in the container. Um, we recently went through and added uh, six more taps um, inside. Um, so we went from where we used to have 10 taps um, to now having 40 taps. So it's kind of cool. Um, and I'd say that's one thing that definitely does bring some people out is the, the variety. Um, we always try new things. We're always liking to um, push the envelope. But the last year, year and a half has been a lot of us repeating some of the things that we did the first couple of years, um, that a lot of those beers we've only brewed one time, you know, and so uh, it, it's just kind of, you know, switching back to saying, okay, let, let's go back and let's revisit some of these beers that we've done in the past. Um, and I don't know if it's any easier than creating them new. I almost feel it's harder to, you know, the first time you crank a beer out, it, it is what it is. The next time, if it's different, then everybody notices. So really kind of, you know, trying to go back and, and hit things again and again and again. Um, but I think um, the variety is one thing that definitely brings people out. Um, we added food because that was the number one. I mean, three three out of every four phone calls was, what do you have for food? Do you have food? Um, it was obvious that individuals wanted the food. So um, that was definitely one of the things. We And we can see a big help. Um, our patio brings out a lot of people now. You know, it's yeah, on the west or the sure. east side of the building. It's shaded all afternoon, and, you know, it's just it's a beautiful space, so people like that. Um, and honestly, our staff, we have a really nice staff. We've got, uh, we've been really fortunate. We, uh, up until the last probably month, we've really had no staffing issues throughout 
the entirety of, of COVID um, from our kitchen to front of house to the brewery to everything. Um, right now we're just a little bit tight in the kitchen because we had four people walk out at once that were all related and just big, long story, but it's all good now. And um, every, to me, every time those things happen, I like to embrace it as an opportunity because I, I feel I've managed and supervised people my whole life. And I feel like there's always things that you just let slide, you know, like, uh, like right. I, I'd rather this person doesn't do this this way, but it seems like they're happy. I'm going to just let them do it. Um, no, and then as soon as they're, they're, yeah, exactly. And then sometimes it's like, all right, I know that's how they did it. That's not how we do it now. Here's how right. we go. Um, so, but you know, the, sorry, go speak, ahead. Yeah. Speaking of like, you talk about uh, you know lessons learned there. Uh, yeah. What do you think's been the biggest lesson learned so far since opening? Uh, like the entire brewery. Yeah, since or since opening just, your doors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, um, besides COVID, obviously. <laughs> I'd say write everything down. Every idea, uh, just write them down um, because that'd be the best, I guess, advice that I would give because I've had so many ideas um, over the years. Um, that then I don't write them down and then it's just like, uh, I knew I had a solution for this problem or dang it. And then it's just, I, I call them shower ideas. I have a crap every day right. <laughs> in the shower. I'll be like, Oh my God. And then honestly, a lot of them are gone by the time I, you know, yeah. I'm driving to work. I just, cause I didn't write it down. And so, um, that would be a big struggle to me is just not remembering all the good ideas that I have because I don't write them down. So. And at this day and age, there's no excuse, but it still happens. So, <laughs> is, there, is there anything that if you can go back and redo one thing differently uh, that you would do? God, I'm sure that there is. Um, <laughs> but nothing really jumps out at me like this was a fail and we never should have done this. Um, right. it, there's like a few beers. Like, I, you know, there's some specific beers over the years that I would have been like, oh, I never should have done that one or – you know, I wish I didn't. Um, a kind of a, a funny side story along those lines, I, if you don't mind, really quick. Yeah, sure. um, as I've come up, and, and I, I couldn't tell you like the exact name or uh, like design or anything right now, but there's been a few beers over the years that I've been like really excited about the name or the label idea, and then we we do it and we put it out, and the beer just doesn't live up to what I. And it's and it pisses me off just yeah. because I feel like I wasted a great idea or a good name or a good label. Right. Um, and it's just like, dang, I can't, can't go back and fix that. Um, in this day and age, you know, it, it's just one of those things that kind of bugs me. Like, oh, I, I, so what right. I did to get around that is uh, like IPAs, you know, they're all over. I, I love to play around with different stuff. Um, but coming up with a new beer name, coming up with a new beer label idea, all the little steps to get all that stuff done or, you know, can be quite a bit of work and, I'm a little bit of hassle. And um, so I finally came up with this idea that I just wanted a beer that I don't have to think about um, as far as the different different versions that come out. Uh, and I wanted to play with a bunch of different hops, the the, the hop, you know, the styles, the actual hops, when to add them. Um, there's so many different hop products out there now. It's just, it's awesome. Um, and so I wanted to just play around with those. So I came up with this new uh, beer series called Dad Jokes. Um, and we're about to release series four next week, our release number four. I don't even remember what we called them, volume four. Um, but the whole idea is that everyone is the same basic label. Um, and then uh, it's just different. Hot. It's a different IPA. It's not the same base beer. Everyone is a radically different IPA. Um, okay. And it's just just the opportunity for me to play around. And then they all feature different dad jokes. Um, so we have a cool label right. process that we that we invoked. 
um, so that like when you get a four pack, odds are at least three of the four cans are going to have different jokes on them. Um, okay. You know, back to my roots of you know laffy taffy jokes, stuff like that. As a kid, you know, you're looking you at have the a, different rappers. You have a favorite dad joke? Uh, I don't really. I mean, no. whatever piss. <laughs> Whatever pisses off my kids at the time, you know, it's, <laughs> oh, it's, it's kind of bad, but they just give me these looks and I'm like, Dad, ah. yeah. so really whatever, just being stupid, you know, I, I, I think those are pretty good, but I actually, it's sitting right here. My wife knew that I was working on this. So one of my, uh, Holy shame. <laughs> my Christmas, Christmas or birthday gifts, there was a, a book full of dad jokes. So, right. There's some pretty good ones, but yeah, it's been fun. So we did a couple of hazy IPAs, played with some new yeasts in the first, first one, some new hopping processes in the second, uh, number three, we, we did a cold IPA, um, which, and that's the one that's out right now. We've just about run it out. Okay. The, the idea is that we'll release the next one, right? Is the previous one is, is finishing out and it's just, the pace has been going about every three to four weeks right now. So, um, but it, it's been a lot of fun. We've got a Brown IPA. Uh, that'll be coming out next week, which you know a lot of people never heard of. Yeah, I've seen a brown IPA. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, Dogfish Head does an Indian brown ale. Yes, uh, it's very good. And, very good. Yeah, and yep, and I've not been able to find it fresh for probably six years. I Every know. time I see it somewhere, it's like four, five, that, six months old. I thought of that not too long ago. Yeah, and I. That? And so, so that was really my inspiration for this beer was I can't find that one fresh on the shelves. That's what makes Let's it just see fun. what happens. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then we're just going to start playing around with a lot of stuff. But, yeah, go ahead. Cool. Yeah, so uh, do you think there's a certain mindset uh, that you need for owning a brewery? Uh, and how do you set your mind up to every day to go into the brewery and, and, and being a business owner and an entrepreneur? Uh, I I really believe that it's going to be similar to almost any business. Um, okay. I mean, you gotta you gotta be able to have tough skin. You know what you've probably said, uh, I've heard before, right. um, because there's so many things that are going to come at at you. Um, the one thing that I'd say makes it really difficult, and I, I couldn't say if this is business or brewery specific or or just any business. Um, because I haven't owned other businesses, I've run many other businesses, but there's a lot of decisions that even if you're the the manager of the whole company um there's still decisions that a company a, an owner or a board of directors or somebody else is, is going to be involved with um so it's really unique when all of a sudden it all stops to you it, you know you don't have anybody else to turn and say you know all right what do we do it, it's all all come up to you at that point so um I'd, I'd say that that's really something different to keep in mind that everyone is coming to you for the answers um, and everybody listens to you a lot more like, like detail wise. Um, uh, okay. I'm really like, man, I'll just throw stuff out all the time. Um, and it's come back at me a lot. Like, well, but the other day you said, you said this, you said that. Yeah. Um, and so that's, to me, that's been, yeah, like a, Oh shit. Like right. everybody listens to everything I say all the time. Um, and right. that honestly, I've never experienced that before, um, to, to the level, um, of owning a brewery. Um, the other thing too is that, you know, pick, choose your battles. You know, I think I mentioned it earlier that it seems like when some, when I, if, if an employee leaves for whatever reason, that's when I'll make some changes. Um, and that's because sometimes I've just, and I don't know if it's even specific to the brewery, to be honest, but uh, I've encountered things in my life where somebody's really adamant about doing it this way. 
And right. do I really care? You know, like right. uh, my la- I, I've I've I learned it at my last job, and now here I, I let it carry through. But the best way I can say it um, is, uh, let me just give you like an easy example. Like you're you're putting shoes away for somebody, and I don't know why I'm telling you this, but you, you're putting shoes away, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and and I want them all you know, stacked straight. So you got a pair together here and a pair together here and a pair together there. And and that's how I'd like to see it. And then somebody else comes in and they just like to, you know, just kind of put them all. So they're all lined up together and, you know, or turned sideways or they do something different. And I'm looking at like, uh, not that, but then I'll, I'll stop and think, does that really matter? Like, does it, does anybody give a shit? Like, right. does, does it really matter? The micromanaging. Um, and I guess, is, yeah, is, yeah. Is, and, yeah. Right. There's no need and for so it, that's right? where, yeah, so that's where I guess I've come a long way the last few years is I'm trying to empower my staff. You know, I, I would like everybody to just know what to do. I, I hate having to tell anybody what to do ever, but you have to do that all the time when you own a company. Right. Um, so just think how, how cool it is is if everybody just knows what to do, but also knows they're not going to get in trouble if they do it wrong. You know, right. um, if it's a major screw up, I think that's an issue, but... Otherwise, that, that's my mindset, I guess, is I want people to be able to come in and just do the job that they know they're supposed to do right. and not be fearful of getting in trouble if they make a small mistake because we're all going to make mistakes all the time. So, uh, and, But I, I will tell you this. I, I super digress if you didn't pick up on that already. Um, but uh, my big thing is when I come in, I, I'm always like, I'm going to do this today and this today and this today. Uh, and I'd say there's probably only one day a week where – what I want to come in and do actually happens. Um, and that's just because as a business owner, as a brewery owner, as a, somebody who works in a environment like ours, you never know what you're going to encounter um, until you get in there. And it just happens almost every single day. And it, at first it was really, really frustrating. Now I'm just kind of used to it. So it's like, <laughs> well, it's important what am I going to do today? Write that stuff down, like you said. It is. It is. I think actually I'll, I can't read it, but I don't know. Yeah. This is what I had them put on the back of my shirt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cause that's, that's really what I feel like, you know, I I come in and uh, today I spent, you know, a couple hours doing maintenance related things, but um, you know, and that's, I guess where we're starting to get to now is we do have the staff that knows what their job is and they know what they got to do. And so they come in and do it. And then I can start looking at what do you need me to do for you? Um, and so that's where my job's really shifted a lot for me saying, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this to what can I do for you? Um, and I, I think it's a good place to be. I, I really like that. I'd rather be support for my staff than my staff right. be support. I think that's me. what makes a, a great owner, to be honest, in my opinion. Yeah. Thanks, um, Jeff. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, talk about the flooding of the market with craft, craft beer. Uh, how do you feel the, the, the future looks like? What does the future look like, in your opinion, for the craft beer market and even in Illinois? I really wish I knew the exact exact answer to that, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, there's is there is there a way that you feel you see that it's going or? Um, I feel like it's starting to slow down a little bit as far as the new growth and the new add-ons and things like that. Okay. Um, I will tell you, I'm still bewildered whenever I see somebody opening up um, like a new packaging brewery right now, um, because it really doesn't feel like that's the shift that it's going. Um, we had a really, really big run, you know, for the last couple of years, um, you know, leading up to the the pandemic, the first year of the pandemic. Um, but right now, and 
not just us talking to a lot of people as well. It really feels like it's going to be a more or, or, or it's currently trending towards a more on-premise kind of market. People that want to go out, you know, they want to go out and hang out and go go see something, hang out with friends, see other people, all the, the BS everybody went through the last couple of years. Um, it makes sense. Um, and that, that's really where we're kind of see it going. And we felt that it might be going a little bit that way anyways, and that's why we put a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort into building a restaurant, you know, building a, a much, much larger space. I think we had 35 seats at our last in our last tap room, and now we've got like 300 some between indoor and outdoor seating. So um, that's really really where I see. But right. I, whenever I go to the stores, man, there's so much beer out there now. It, of course, it's, it's really pretty. Yeah, as a business it's, owner, it's awesome. Brewery, it's it's awesome to see. It's an amazing yeah. thing. Uh, is there a moment that sticks out for you in your head that was a defining moment of success? Um, no. And I'll tell you why, um, because I, I've been asked something very similar to that, uh, several times the last few years and I, and I don't feel successful yet. Um, and I think a lot of people feel like, well, look at this place though. It's awesome. And you got all this. And, um, I think everybody has to determine what is successful to you. Um, and successful to me is not just having a business that a lot of people see, you know, and, or that a lot of people know of. Um, we have to have certain certain things to indicate to us when when we've reached what we deem successful. Right. Um, and to me, I really thought about this for a while, and it was about six months when it dawned on me. And I just showed you what the back of my shirt says. Um, and I, I think once I get to the point where I have a head brewer and a head of maintenance, then I'll then I will feel successful um, because that's when I'll feel I'll be at the point. Yeah, because then I'll feel that I'll be at the point that I'm not working in my business as right, much right. as working on my business. Um, and right now we're at the That's point huge. where, yeah, I, I have daily tasks. You know, I I mean, I'm picking up a, a mop or a broom or, or a hose or something every single day. And I'm not saying I'm above that or that I don't want to, you know, still be involved with my business. But right now I have to be. I would like to be able to choose to be involved. Um, oh, hey, we want a new marketing idea or Oh, I want to do that. Right. Please let me. Now I, I'm just I'm putting out fires. I'm I'm repairing things. That that's what I'm doing. So, um, so I'll, that's my answer. I don't think I'm successful yet, but once I've reached to the point where I can hire and have a good head of maintenance and a good head brewer along with all the staff that we already have, I feel that I'll be successful because my business will be kind of running it and right. and I can help it, not have to help it. So well, I pray for that. Pray for that soon for you, Thanks. man. Um, yeah, we'll see. And what was your gateway beer into the craft beer world? Uh, that was Guinness. That's the one I mentioned mentioned Guinness? earlier. Guinness so, was the one? Yep. Yep. Right. So I tried a lot of others. I drank, uh, you know, the Blue Moon was up there. Uh, Dun, what was it? J.W. Dundee Honey Brown, I think is what it was called. Right. Um, we, you know, I used to drink some of those. Uh, Hazed and Infused was one by... I think it was Boulevard Brewing, Boulevard. Boulder Brewing Company, Boulder Brewing Company a while ago. Um, so there was those, but Guinness was the one that really led me to try the Porter from Hell. And then from there, I got it. So. Awesome. And uh, what does the future look like for your brewery? What's next um, for Little Beaver? Well, to be honest with you, we've, we've had our eyes out for other spaces, um, we're just not sure if with our within our community is the best place to add another space, 
or if it's to branch out in another community, whether that's another town in Illinois or another state altogether. Um, and just the last couple of years have been so weird with you know, pandemic and now with supplies and um, equipment and just everything going on. Um, right. we're, we're at a pretty good, pretty good spot right now. So um, I'd say at least for the rest of this year, um, we're going to just, you know, kind of see how everything goes. Um, there's just been so many, so many changes and, and things as every, you know, they're affecting everybody in the entire world. Um, so our, I'd say our five-year plan has changed a lot in the last two and a half years. So <laughs> I, I really couldn't give you a, a good thing, but um, we're, we're, we're constantly seeking new ways to do what we do better. Of course. Just constantly so adapt, basically. Yep. At the yep. moment, just adapt. Good exactly. exactly. Good yep. And uh, if somebody came to you and asked you for advice on opening their own brewery, what advice would you give them? <laughs> I I'm would sure say tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, I would say don't do it right now. Um, <laughs> and, and that would be my honest to God opinion, just because right. of all the competition, all the the hurdles and everything right now. I mean, it was rough when we opened several years ago with all the hurdles to go through. Um, mm-hmm. Now I can't imagine, you know, trying to order equipment and then hearing uh, eight to 18 months. I mean, how, how do you plan for those kinds of things? Yeah, um, right. There's big talk of the wheat crop being crazy, like maybe not available and think of how many beers use wheat. We use it in almost every single beer we make. Um, all, all those kinds of things. So that would be my, if it was right now, my honest opinion would be plan, you know, but don't do it, you know. Plan, plan your money. Four years out. Yeah, get ready to buy one that folds or something, you know, because right, it's yeah. probably, I hate to say it, but there's a good chance a lot of that will happen. But um, but if somebody's adamant and really wants to do it, I would say do your research, you know. Figure out what are you going to do that's different in your market. Um, I mean, I think we're pretty fortunate here in central Illinois because there isn't tons of competition. Um, but you look at, you know, areas like Chicago and stuff like that. And I mean, there's so many breweries that are opening up and even yeah. people that I know that live up there and follow all that stuff. I'm like, I can't even keep up with them nowadays. Like I'm running into new breweries every week that I've never heard of. And uh, it, it's pretty wild to me. So uh, that's what I just say is make sure, you know, you figure out what are you going to do to create your niche? What's going to make you stand out from everybody else and not just be another IPA or another wheat beer or another, you know, something on the shelf. And, um, the markets evolve so much that you can't just, you can't just make great beer, but you also can't just make really wild and crazy beer. You know what I mean? Like everybody's doing that and you have breweries that have been around for 30 years that are making wild and crazy beer and they've always made really good beer. Um, so it just shows you how when the little guys start doing crazy stuff to make a name for themselves, and then all of a sudden you turn around and see the really big regional breweries doing the same kind of stuff, it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, right. How do you stand out in a yeah, how crowded do you stand market? Up? So, it's tough. Yeah. Yep. So that's what I would just tell somebody is make sure you know what you're getting into as for far sure. as what's going to make you better. So. And uh, did you happen to have a funny story for us? Um. Yeah, I've got, I've got a, I've got two of them. Um, I'll, I'll throw you one really. Fit. It's just a little side thing. I mentioned when I uh, got my first brewery tour, how uh, the bartender said, "I don't know, like, any, like, ask the guy next to you." 
Um, yeah. you know, he, he's the brewer. He, he probably knows when we'll have that beer again. Uh, she actually works for us now. So I think that's, that's kind of right funny. Now. We figured yeah, right. that out a few months ago. I was like, Oh my God, that, that absolutely was her. Um, and the other one is we were in a, uh, a competition. It was a beer festival competition. Uh, yeah. God, it would have been, I think three years ago in Chicago in the Oak park, uh, neighborhood. Uh, and it's called the Oak park micro brewery view. And they do this, uh, iron brewer challenge that they did. Um, which it was basically like you get the style and you have to make it. And then they let all the fans and, or the the patrons of the festival vote on it. Um, okay. And we were in it, you know, and I was just there hanging out. And I was back at my table when they were announcing the winners and all that stuff. And I was with the guys next to us. I don't even remember what brewery was. And we were just all BSing. And all you could hear of going on was just and so we're just kind of like oh yeah like oh i I bet we won and then you know the tables next to us are like oh no we didn't win and and then all of a sudden some guy comes running up to me he's like he's like you did win and i was like oh and then then he was like no dude literally listen he's like they're telling your name right up there and i was like and i just turned and i was like this guy's crazy you know and then and then all of a sudden, like three people came around. They're like, "Congrats! Oh, you guys won!" And I was like, awesome. "Wait, we actually, wait, we did!" And then they convinced me to go walking up there. And I was like, "I, I literally still couldn't understand anything." And then when right. I got up there, they're like, "Oh wait, he is here!" They were just getting ready to like, I don't know, pack up the the trophy and stuff like that to send to me because they thought I already left. But that was kind of funny. We were making awesome. fun of not being able to hear, and I happened to be the winner. So you should have handed and, them uh, the trophy back for worst sound system ever. <laughs> right right it was just busy you know it was just so busy but it was pretty rough sound system so yeah but yeah that was That's my story cool. for you so they needed a couple of sound checks beforehand probably yeah um yeah and uh, i have a little segment called quick fire five it's five sure. short questions beer related good deal uh, so somebody comes into your brewery what's one of the beers you'd recommend they try uh wayne Bowes, it's our best-selling hazy pale ale so pretty approachable. Almost everybody seems to enjoy it. So that'd be the one. Awesome. Uh, favorite brewery other than your own? Man, uh, boy, it's hard telling. I would honestly, I'd say microphone. So Mike's a good guy. Uh, I just saw him this weekend in Iowa, but he was my first professional collab. Um, and, and it was just, I always liked his brewery beforehand and he was just a like a real genuine good guy when I got to know him. So I thought it was great to see that the man behind, you know, the, the place was as good as his beer and as good as his reputation. So very cool. Uh, favorite style of beer? Uh, hazy IPAs. Um, Hazies. You know, yeah, I They're good. was not into IPAs at all when I started the brewery. I was I always joke about I was into IPR hops before they were sexy. Um, but now that's about all that I drink. So awesome. Uh, favorite name you've come up with for one of your beers? Uh, probably the one that got me the burst, the, the best response at my first beer festival, which was big hairy beaver. Um, <laughs> and just everybody was chanting, tap that beaver. Cause I did a special release and made them wait till nine o'clock. Um, and we haven't brewed it since, uh, we switched up our naming profile to, be a lot more family friendly and not as understood raunchy understood uh, and so that that was it i don't use it someday we will bring it back and, and do a release with it but we have not yet so. can't wait and uh 
It's a great name. Uh, and you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. Which beer are you using? Uh, on a, it'd have to be a Hefeweizen. If there was just one beer for two weeks, I, I think I could easily... Any specific? Uh, not really, honestly. Uh, any really good, well-made Hefeweizen. Um, I, I like my own, but I'm my own worst critic, so... Okay. Um, I always find a flaw when I'm drinking my own, you know, one way or another. Um, so I don't really, um, you know, wine has to finer, you know, that's a good one. Just, uh, any really good heft though, like not super picky. So gotcha. Well, uh, Chad, that's all I got for you, man. Appreciate it. Excellent. My yeah. pleasure, man. Thanks, Chad. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew Old Daughter podcast here with Chad Beavers of Little Beaver Brewery in Bloomington, Illinois. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Have a good one. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Chad Beavers, owner of Little Beaver Brewery in Bloomington, Illinois. You know how it goes. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, just visiting a friend nearby, definitely check them out. Also, give them a follow on social media so you can see when they're putting out Big Harry Beaver again. I know I'll be watching. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode. Subscribe, and you'll never miss it. Check out our YouTube channel where you get to watch videos of me interview brewery owners like Chad. You get to see our faces talking to each other because that's what faces do. Also, check out our social media account for updates on the podcast. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order podcast. You stay safe out there.